can't believe I missed a Saturday. Well, we'll throw it your way now. Hi, this is Nathan Caldwell. You may know me from Protectorate Productions, Protectors of the Book, Team Jadith Live, Dr. What. Well, I'm starting a new show. It's called Protectorate Productions Comedy Showcase. You will hear things from Classic Team Jadith Live, some new items, and I'm hoping to get some other podcasters on board by simply asking them if I could use some clips from their shows, maybe even from shows long ago. Well, jump into the adventure with me, because here we go. Hi. Before we get started, I'd like to say that could not have done this without the voice talents of John Bell and his wife, Paulina Logan, and Lillian Rachel. So make sure that these people are credited for this. Here is, um, well, let's just hear it out and see for yourself. My husband treats me like a princess. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, not to brag, but my husband treats me like a supermodel. Oh, that's awesome. Well, my husband treats me like a dog. Oh, come on. I mean, it can't oh, be it that bad, Oh, it can't be right? that bad. There she is. There's my little baby kids. Come here, girl. Come here, come here, come here. Stop that. Oh, she's a good girl. Yes, she is. Don't do that. She is a good girl. Oh, you want a treat? You want a treat? Huh? That's it. Sit up. Sit up. Oh, you got a bag? You got a bag? Stop that right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, she's such a sweetie poo. Now you're in the doghouse. Well, here we are. Yes, here we are. In the tablets, with no toilet, this is an episode of Dr. What. Dr. V. Doctor. Hey, yo, Slice Pomoni here. The, uh, person's court is now opened all up here, you know. Honorable Judd Whopper presiding. Order in the court. Order in the court. Order in the court. Order? But I haven't amended you. Now cut that out. I haven't a scalpel either. Plaintiff. Oh, it's a tiff, all right. But I wouldn't call it plain. Stop that. He's talking to me. Yes, Your Honor? What is your complaint? He's copying me. He's copying me. Really? Really? Can I use this as evidence? You could, but nobody believe it. Never mind, then. Does the defendant have representation? He does your honor. And just who are you supposed to be? I am the cunning, amazing, Brass Stewart. Hey, where'd you come from? You twit. So sorry, your honor. What he means to say is that he is from the United Terrestrial World Intelligence Task Force. That's right. I said you twit. Shh. You'll make the nice judge mad. Since when did you care about that? Since the bailiff started looking at me funny. I thought you wanted to be funny. Perhaps. But I don't want to be strangled by my scarf. Speaking of scarves, by the way, 
Isn't that one of mine? I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that it might humiliate me. So, what are you here for anyway? We need to hurry it along. I got a game to get to. Basketball? Cricket? Parcheesi? Poker. I've got an ace up my sleeve and I'm dying to use it. I had an ace once. Not yet you haven't. Order in the court. Why? I didn't get my first order. Hey, uh, quiet or I'm gonna have to blast you. By order of the United Terrestrial World, I'm gonna have to arrest you, Mr. Bailiff, for threatening the dock here. He didn't threaten me. Not you. Me. That's right. Our dock here is the silliness advisor. Let me guess. Unpaid. No. Highly paid. Just never listened to. It's bureaucracy at its finest. Yeah, you're all right then. I won't shoot the dock. Very well. Uh, I'll shoot you. Oh my! Where did he go? Hmm? He disintegrated! You've killed him! Don't be ridiculous. There's been way too many deaths in this podcast already. Sly just turned him into a cricket. General? Is that you? Why do I feel squeamish all of a sudden? The, uh, cricket beam is highly radioactive. You're, uh, probably dying. Oh, this is ridiculous! Power for the course, I'd say. Hmm. Hey, younger voice. Still quite inconvenient. Yes, you're right. Case dismissed. What? No. Yahoo! I'm what? Not only that, here, I'd like you to have this. Finally, a biscuit! My order's here! Oh, come on! The judge is in on it too? You bet your life. You've been listening to Dr. V. Doctor. Written by Nathan Caldwell. Starring Nathan Caldwell. With special guests, CJ as Bray Stewart. CJ Ward as, you know... Ooh. And John Steinkaller as Judge Whopper. This has been a fan audio parody. No infringement is intended. This has been a Protectorate production. Hey, you know that dog on the picture of this podcast? Well, this is, if you hear any growling, it's from him. He has a shark that I'm throwing for him. Ah, there we go. While I'm doing that, maybe you could listen to Fred Passmore and John Lawhon from SheepLaughsComedyShow.com. Spencer, don't you want me to throw it? Dr. Seuss, as you know, once told a child's fable about the Grinch, who was quite unable to steal the cheer the holidays brought and about the lesson that he was taught. But if you'll lend me an ear or two, I'll tell you a similar story that's new. It's about a man who commits a crime but discovers the truth that's older than time. It's a prime example of intellectual snobbery in what came to be known as the Great Church Robbery. The church was known for its love and affection, and they invited folks in from every direction. But to one neighbor named Mr. DeWitt, their invitations didn't matter one bit. DeWitt hated them, and for their Christian religion he held no love, not even a smidgen. 
He considered their pastor to be a big fake, and their clanging church bells made his head ache. Though he felt that way, not because of his head, but the fact that his soul was spiritually dead. So, with a heart full of meanness and doubt, he watched Sunday morning as their service let out, staring out of his window with a cold, ugly sneer at their warm handshakes and smiles full of cheer. They'll all be returning, he said with a bark, for tonight's service as soon as it's dark, and then with their worship they'll raise a commotion, but what it's about, I haven't a notion. They'll set that big church bell to ringing, then they'll all begin praying and singing. They'll pound the piano and the organ too, but why they must do it, I haven't a clue. Why, for too many years I put up with this stuff. It's driving me crazy. I've had quite enough. As he got angry, thinking of how they would do it, he suddenly snapped. I must put a stop to it. Without all their church stuff, he went on with a growl. Their bright, happy mood would quickly turn foul. Then a wicked idea hit his wicked old brain. I'll pretend I'm a blind man with dark glasses and cane. I'll steal all their things, and if anyone spies me, in my clever get-up, they won't recognize me. Yes, he felt quite proud and thought himself wise. So, armed with a plan and a tricky disguise, he cranked up his pickup with a gear-grinding lurch and pulled it up to the back door of the church. Then, breaking a window pane with a rock, he reached inside and opened the lock. This is too easy, the fake blind man hissed as he tiptoed inside. Kane clenched in his fist. Then he lowered his glasses and peered all around to make sure that no one was there to be found. These speakers, he said, are the first things I'll steal. As he loaded them onto his truck, the old heel, then he ripped up and threw out the pads on the pews. Yes, he took every comfort, and the instruments too. Then he carried the songbooks all he could heft, and even the Bible was not above theft. When he had taken all he could rob, he was turning to go when he heard a small sob. Grabbing his cane, he spun round with a whirl, and there stood by the altar a tiny young girl. Who's there? He asked, while tapping his cane. You see, I'm quite blind, and I don't know your name. My daddy's the pastor, and I'm Mary Sue. Then with trembling voice, she asked, Who are you? Just a friend, he said. No need to fear. As he motioned the little girl to draw near, DeWitt faked a smile and kneeled down beside her, and when she smiled back, the room somehow seemed brighter. You see? He lied. God sent me indeed, for even a blind man can see you're in need. So I'm taking the old out and buying all new, and as soon as I'm finished, I'll send it to you. So he pulled the wool over her eyes with his sightless act and clever lies, and he condescendingly patted her head, but he was taken aback at the next thing she said. Oh, kind sir, I wonder if I might pray that the Lord would give you your sight. And before he could answer or move out of the way, she lay her small hands on his brow to pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for being so kind and to ask you to touch this man who was blind. Bring the light to his eyes and help him to see. So give him this gift, Lord, and do it for me. And when she had finished, his throat was all dry, and behind his dark glasses a tear dimmed his eye. And conviction had fallen on him like a great weight, but he croaked. Thank you, dearie, but now I'll be late. So go on back home now and don't say a word or tell anybody what you have heard. And as he watched the pastor's child depart, he felt a strange tug deep down in his heart. But he shook it off with a snort and a shrug, and as he was leaving, he threw out the rug. It was half past six, soon the church would be full. So he cranked up the pickup and away he did pull. Up the winding dirt road to the top of the hill, he drove with their stuff, which then he would spill. When he came to the top, it was getting quite dark as he drove toward the cliff and put it in park. He jumped out of the truck and strode to the ledge and stood looking expectantly over the edge. They know by now, he said with a grin. 
that their services there have all been done in. They're wailing and moaning and they'll all shed a tear. That's something, said DeWitt, that I wish I could hear. But he could hear a sound, quiet and low, rising up from the church in the valley below. But this sound wasn't tearful. Why, it sounded quite cheerful. Everyone there, to the smallest fellow, was singing their favorite songs, a cappella. He hadn't stolen their joy. It remained. In spite of their losses, they worshipped the same. Maybe their joy doesn't come from what's done. Perhaps, he smiled, it comes from someone. But suddenly his heart was clutched with cold fear as he noticed the pickup had slipped out of gear. It rolled toward the cliff edge, that rusty old clunker, as he leaped in its path and shoved hard on the bumper. But it didn't slow down, though his feet plowed the sod, and for the first time in his life, DeWitt prayed out to God. Lord, I know I was wrong, all these church things to take, so save them, and me also, for Jesus' sake. And then the light of heaven shone in as Mr. DeWitt was born again. And he felt a strange power he had not felt before as he found the strength of Samson and more. He stopped that old truck and turned it around. Then he hopped up inside and drove down to the town. He pulled up at the church and brought back what he took, each musical instrument and every songbook. Then he went to the altar and beside it he knelt as he praised the Lord Jesus for the peace he now felt. And he hugged Mary Sue as she climbed on his knee, for her prayer had been answered, and now he could see. And here's this week's old-time radio moment, brought to you by the Retro Radio Podcast and Keith Healthley. Let's go into this sporting goods store and get your baseball equipment. I want you to look right for the opening game. Now, go ahead and ask that lady there where they keep the baseball uniforms. Uh, pardon me, miss. Well, if it isn't Mr. Albert. Hello. And Mr. Costello. Hello. You fought a little monu. <laughs> what are you doing in the sporting goods store, miss? Oh, I just soaked in to get a gift for my nephew. <laughs> I'm buying him a boss ball. Boss ball? <laughs> Abbott, you know what a boss ball is. That's what the poocher throws to the coocher. <laughs> and the booter tries to boot a home run. <laughs> my, uh, my nephew is just a lotto chope, but his ambition is to be a Brooklyn doger caucher. Well, if he's only a little guy, why don't he join the deep troot tookers and be a short stoop? <laughs> Going. As we say in Chinese, get your gooey hot suey on push up to you. And a dish of gooey chop suey and a push to you, too. Hey, look, that's a little. Take care salesman now. Oh, good morning, boys. As Johnny Weissmeller said to bust the crab, what dive did you come out of? <laughs> well, my friend and I are here to get some baseball equipment. Uh, I'd like to see a baseball uniform that would fit Costello. So would I. <laughs> Look, as Adam said to Eve, quit ribbing me. <laughs> However, I'll do the best I can. We'll start with the spiked shoe. What size do you wear? Eight. Oh, let me see. I've only got one pair left, and they're size five. Maybe you can squeeze into them, Costello. Go ahead and try. Okay. <laughs> what do you know? Open-toed baseball shoes. <laughs> 
now for the uniform. My, you're certainly a pudgy little rascal, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Aren't you overweight? I'm about 120 pounds overweight, but I'm going back to my normal weight. Yes, what's normal? 60 pounds overweight. <laughs> Gosh, Sally, you should really go on a diet. Yeah, of course, you know what a diet is, don't you? Oh, sure. That's where you can eat all you want of everything you don't like. <laughs> Young man, if you really want to reduce, why don't you exercise with a couple of dumbbells? Okay, I'm ready whenever you and Abbott are. All right. Now. <laughs> Cut that out. We've got to get your baseball equipment. Mister, do you have any bats? Oh, certainly. Here's a fine bat. Autographed by Slaughter of the Cardinals. This bat was made for Slaughter. Ain't you got one that was made for baseball? (laughs) When he says Slaughter, he means Slaughter the baseball player. Slaughter the baseball player? With that bat, you could slaughter anybody. (laughs) No, no, Costello. I'm talking about Slaughter. Everybody knows Slaughter. He knows Slaughter. Well, maybe he knows Slaughter, but I don't know him. You idiot. Everybody knows Slaughter, the baseball player. Slaughter is the man's last name. What's his first name? He knows. Now, there's a clever guy. He knows his first name. Oh, well. Let's forget about the bat. Look, mister, do you have a baseball cap that will fit Costello's head? What size pencil sharpener does he wear? Yeah. Oh, oh, a baseball cap. Oh, yes, here's a dandy. This is the kind fellow wears. What fellow? The fellow with the Cleveland Indians. There's nine players with the Cleveland Indians. Which fellow are you talking about? Oh, young man, when I say fellow with the Cleveland Indians, I am only referring to one fellow. The fellow that pitches with the Cleveland Indians. When you say the fellow with the Cleveland Indians, you're only referring to one fellow. The fellow that pitches for the Cleveland Indians. Yes. As Orville said to Wilbur, you're right. How do you like that? Now they're doing our routines in sporting goods stores. Oh, forget about him, Custer. Hey, wait a minute. I've got an idea. Mrs. Wetwash's late husband used to be a big league ba- ball player. Now, he was a home run king, in other words. Now, maybe she'll give you one of his bats for good luck. Let's go over to her house and ask her. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go right over now, huh? You're right, Abbott. As John Adams said to Henry Wadsworth Longfellow... How do you like that? I forgot what John Adams said to Henry Wadsworth Well, that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed making it. See you soon. Have a good day, and remember, laughter, it's a really good medicine.